Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host Paige, and if you are listening to this, guys, if you've been hanging around for a while, you know that our family has been in a season of lots and lots of transition. I just had my second daughter, Juliet, seven weeks ago. Seven? Eight? I think seven. And we just completed a cross-country move. So if you're listening now, I am in Kansas. I made it this past weekend uh, flying with both girls with the help of my mom. And John drove all of our things in our little Honda Civic with the help of my father-in-law. So yeah, it's been a big couple of weeks. And I'm actually going to be sharing the birth story of my daughter, Juliet, today if you missed last week's episode, it was another solo show of me sharing Flora's birth story. And I really have come to realize that both of their birth stories are so beautiful. Both have been so transformational for me in my walk with Christ and in my marriage and really just have been life-changing. Birth is such a transformational experience and I think that is why in the Bible it talks about being born again and I just love it. (laughs) I love birth. And so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I will be referencing some things uh, from Flora's birth. And so it might be helpful for you to listen to that episode before listening today. And I also just wanted to say that next week we will be back with our regular episode format. Usually I invite a friend on the show and we talk about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, and following Jesus. And so I have some really fun guests lined up, you guys. I'm so excited. We also have some really fun stuff coming up for the community itself, including a Little Women watch party night during the month of November. So if you aren't following us on Instagram, or maybe you're not on Instagram, maybe you're on Facebook, we do have a community group there that you can join where I like to share updates on what is happening within the community and the podcast so please make sure to check out the show notes and you will find links to both our instagram page and the love in a cottage podcast facebook group so juliet's birth story she was born on 9 11 of this year and that was actually her due date which is so fun i think it's like five percent or something of babies are born on their actual due date and I just want to back up, give some context. So I had a C-section with my daughter, Flora. I had not planned on a C-section, although it wasn't an emergency situation. The most important thing to know is that I was really wanting a natural birth. I really was preparing for that as best as I knew how at that time and went the route of having a traditional OB. She was great, and if that's the route that you take too, like I hope that is where you feel most comfortable because I think everyone has different levels of comfort. Some people love the idea of being in a hospital and feel really safe there, 
and other people prefer to do things differently. And so for me, I didn't think anything of having a hospital birth. And again, I don't want to recap her story too much. You can go back and listen to that. But after I had my C-section with her, I knew I really wanted to have a natural birth still. And I think a lot of people are surprised because what a lot of people have been told is that once you have a C-section, you have to have c-sections for every other pregnancy after that and I think initially that was what I thought I was going to have to do and that's part of why having having a c-section was so sad to me was because I so badly wanted to experience a natural birth but I really kind of investigated on my own after Flora was born and it came across a term called VBAC which stands for vaginal birth after cesarean And a lot of people ask, like, what are the risk factors of having a VBAC? And to that, I would say the most common answer is a uterine rupture. So that sounds really scary. (laughs) And if it happens, it obviously is intense. That would require an emergency C-section. But what you may not be hearing from your provider or from research that you do online is that uterine ruptures are extremely rare. I would have to look it up and you can do your own research, but I believe it's 0.5% to 1% chance of happening after one C-section. And it does slightly increase with every C-section you have, but women who are giving birth for the first time vaginally also have a small risk of a uterine rupture. It's basically along your scar if the scar tissue hasn't healed as properly. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm doing my best to explain, but that can basically happen. So it is extremely rare. If it does happen, it can be an emergency situation, but there are many ways to prepare. And this is just my view and my experience. I think that C-sections are easier for doctors because they can schedule them and it's just more routine in a lot of hospitals. I know, again, there are lots of OBs who are very supportive of natural uh, laboring and delivery, and my OB was great with Flora, but I just knew I wanted something different. So, all that to say, that kind of led me down this path of researching VBACs and specifically midwives, home births, and water births. So we got pregnant eight months after Flora was born and that was planned for us. We knew that we wanted our kids close in age. I think honestly we were still surprised because it was like one month of basically just not preventing pregnancy and not really thinking much about it and boom there was Juliet. So I'm very thankful that that has been our story as far as uh, getting pregnant and so We got pregnant with her, it would have been in December, I think, of 2020, and she was born in September of this last year at home, so because it was a home birth, that's called an HVAC, which is home birth after cesarean, Um, I guess they just kind of assume that it's vaginal (laughs) if it's at home, and it was the best experience of my entire life. So I had been experiencing contractions off and on from the time that I was 37 weeks and because I had a c-section with Flora at 37 weeks I had never experienced labor so this was my first time having contractions. I 
you know, knew what to expect somewhat, but also I feel like I really didn't. You don't know what you don't know until you're experiencing it. But my midwife did come and check me when I was 37 weeks to the day because I was having contractions pretty close together. I honestly don't remember how close, maybe four or five minutes apart. And I was already dilated to, or I'm sorry, not dilated. I was already a face like 90%, but I was not really dilated much. So we just obviously waited it out. And I really thought she was going to come early because I feel like I kept having these contractions that definitely felt more intense than Braxton Hicks, which I had had earlier in my pregnancy. And that was really hard. I feel like I had a lot of um, just mindset things to work through. Obviously, I prayed through that a lot. And so I feel like from 37 to 38 weeks, I was like just waiting, convinced she was going to come, really disappointed when she wasn't here. And then at 38 weeks, I kind of made my peace and I was like, you know, I could literally be pregnant another four weeks. Like it could be a whole nother month. I don't want to keep being like sad or bitter I just want to embrace and use this time well but when I was like 38 and a half weeks John started feeling sick and he had honestly just got over like a two-week period of being pretty sick when I was 35 or 36 weeks and that was just very exhausting to take care of him and Flora being so pregnant I felt really bad because I think he was just crashing from finishing his semester and obviously you can't control when someone is sick but he was just having a lot of digestive issues and so I kind of freaked out when I thought maybe he was getting sick again and I called my mom and I was like is there any way you can please come out and help because if John's sick again like I don't know what I'm gonna do. And for those of you who don't know, at this time, my mom lived in Kansas, where she still lives, and we lived in Southern California, where we just moved from, and so she was planning on coming out after Juliet was born anyways, but she just decided to come out at 38 and a half weeks to help. And again, we thought, yeah, she's coming any day now, because I was still having very regular intense contractions, or what I thought was intense, what I thought was going to be it and so that was honestly great because she was able to help with flora a lot i feel like john and i were able to kind of catch up on rest it was kind of interesting because he didn't end up getting as sick which was good but i didn't need her help in that way like i had thought but it was really really helpful we were able to start the packing process because we knew that we would move six weeks ish from the time that Juliet was born we would determine that whenever she arrived and so we were actually able to do a lot of those things in advance which now after the birth that I had was such a blessing because I was on bed rest for the first couple weeks postpartum which I'll get to so time goes on time goes on time goes on we're all still kind of shocked that she's not here and I wasn't feeling discouraged but 40 weeks is rolling around and again my mom has been there for like a week and a half and I'm thinking okay am I gonna go to 42 weeks like I don't I don't think so but I know it's possible and the night before my due date John and I are like watching a movie in bed we have a projector which is fun and just 
really relaxing and it's like 10 p.m. And I think to myself, like, gosh, I feel like I'm having contractions. I feel pretty strong, like cramp, crampy feelings. But honestly, it could be the dinner that we had. And I had been experiencing these contractions more intensely at night. And so I try not to think anything of it. Because my due date was the next day, though, I did, however, text my doula and my midwife and just kind of gave them a heads up, like, I'm going to sleep, but here's what's up. And so I went to sleep, not really thinking, like, this is it, which my doula and midwife were so kind because I was texting them from 37 weeks to 40 weeks, kind of in those moments of discouragement, like, how will I know? Because again, I haven't experienced labor before. And I actually had my chiropractor who was great throughout my pregnancy, but she kept saying like, well, make sure that you call your midwife because VBAC moms don't always know, or maybe they wait too long to call their midwife and you don't want to have your baby on the kitchen floor. And that was kind of like freaking me out. And my doula and midwife, again, were just like, you will know whenever it's time. And that was so encouraging. And it's true because I woke up at 12.30, so two hours after I'd gone to bed, and I was like, this is it. Like, these were intense enough to wake me up from my sleep. It's happening. So I think I was up on my own for maybe 15 minutes. I was going to try to just labor as long as I could without waking up John and knew that if it was going to be a long labor I just wanted him to get as much sleep as possible and obviously since it was the middle of the night I didn't want to call my doula or midwife unless I knew that it was like for real but after again 15 minutes I was like oh yes these feel very different so I started timing my contractions on this app it's called like easy contraction timer I think which is what my midwife had recommended and then I like could send them a link so they could like live stream my contractions or see them in real time and honestly I am having a hard time remembering I want to say they were like four or five minutes apart at this point and I was like describing them to my doula and she was like okay well I can come like what do you think and At this point, I did wake up John and he was starting to set up the house because he had to set up the birth tub and there was just kind of a checklist that my midwives had given him. And so he spent the next hour setting things up and my doula lived about an hour away. And I was like, yeah, I think you should come because I was on the birth ball. I could breathe through them, but it was getting to the point where John is like running around, not running around, he's very calm, but He's going around the house setting things up and I would have to call him over like, John, and then he would hold my hand and I would breathe through the contraction and then we would continue on. So I want to say they were like 30 seconds to 60 seconds long. Again, I'm so bad at remembering the specifics, but my doula Abby arrived around like 1.30 and it was perfect timing because they were getting just more and more intense. John had just finished getting everything set up and I was really feeling it in my back. I don't know if I would call it back labor necessarily, but I was feeling that in my back and the counter pressure felt really, really good. And my doula, Abby, she's awesome. She knew exactly what she was doing, obviously as a doula, but I'm so thankful that she was there doing that because 
John was just not doing it how I wanted him to. It's kind of funny because we almost didn't hire a doula actually. My midwife like strongly recommended it and honestly we just didn't want to pay that extra money and because we were already paying for our midwife and we just didn't know how necessary it was but that was the best investment. I think we both thought that like just John and I would want to be it, we thought we would want it to just be like the two of us um, while I was laboring and it was so good that she was there because I really needed her for like physical support and John was really solid emotional support so I would have her behind me applying counter pressure to my back and then John was in front of me like holding my hands and just letting me squeeze on his forearms and helping me breathe through things. A few funny moments during this active labor phase. One thing I remember is John tried to apply counter pressure and I said something like, Abby does it better, (laughs) just kind of harshly. And another funny moment is that I was asking John to pray. And so he's praying through one contraction and it was so good. And then I asked him to pray again and he's praying like in a a joyful voice I guess or just passionate and I don't know if I was wanting calm and serious or what I guess because he starts praying and I cut him off and say pray seriously and he totally was so he said that's kind of how he knew things were starting to get more intense so I think my midwives around arrived around like 2 30 at this point and things again are progressing quickly I was dilated to a six when she checked me and she basically told us like okay things could go you know obviously a number of directions but typically what I see from moms is that it could be a really long labor or things could progress super quickly And they have a van that they sleep in on location. So she's like, let's all try to get some sleep just in case this is a really long labor. And so John and I lay in bed. My doula lays, I think, on Flora's crib mattress. Oh, I didn't even address that. So that was one thing that I'm so glad that my mom was in town. We did have our pastors who would have been willing to get Flora in the middle of the night if I did go into labor in the middle of the night, which I did. But it was nice because my mom was staying nearby at an Airbnb. And so whenever it was like, again, around 1245 and I was calling my doula, my midwife and John was setting up, I called my mom and she came over and got Flora. So Flora went and slept at her place and she did great. But we all decided to try to get some sleep and I remember feeling so comfortable like they propped up all these pillows around me. I was laying on my left side and that felt so good when I was sleeping, which I remember hearing women talk about sleeping during labor. I was like, that is ridiculous. How do you sleep during labor? How? Like that's so not true. (laughs) But it is crazy. My midwife told me that women actually go into like deep REM sleep between contractions so their body's like conserving energy so I would fall dead asleep between my contractions even though they're like three minutes apart two to three minutes apart 
And it would feel so good to sleep with those pillows, but then it would be so uncomfortable whenever I would wake up because I would be on my left side. That's not how I wanted to go through the contraction. I really favored being on my knees, leaning over a birth ball and having that counter pressure. And so I'd have to like scramble once the contraction had already started and it was so uncomfortable. And I think it was less than 20 minutes where I was like, no. I cannot do this. We're not sleeping. We're going to keep going. So my doula came back and I was again laboring on the bed. She was applying counter pressure. I was like leaning over a birth ball and that was going really well. And then I started to transition because things got really hard and I was like, I don't want to do this. This is really hard. Just saying things that I had heard women talk about saying and feeling when they're entering transition and so at that point I got into the birth tub which was set up in our living room it felt so good that was such a game changer for me such a game changer because the warm water relaxed me it really relieved my back and so I think Abby still did apply counter pressure but it just it felt like the tub was doing a lot of the work for me and just supporting me in that way and it's really cool because it's like a birth specific tub so I could lean my full body weight over the tub and it just felt so good I also remember my doula being so freaking awesome and she braided my hair while I was like in transition in the tub and she said I don't know if it was during or later but she said that she remembered wishing that her hair had looked cuter when she was giving birth and in labor because she saw all the pictures and she was like bummed with how her hair looked and I just think that is such a meaningful gift because that braid made me feel so cute I love how the pictures turned out and honestly even in the days afterwards like I was not washing my hair I highly recommend having your hair braided for birth because it was great and stayed out of my face while I was nursing and all that so anyways I'm in transition in the tub and yeah it's just really hard like I am saying I don't want to do this I can't do this I want her out I'm ready I feel like pushing I was definitely feeling a lot of pressure and I was honestly feeling super hot um I could not tell you how long that lasted I want to say 45 minutes or an hour but I feel like John and my doula were just so present with me people weren't like logging things so that was going on she was communicating with my midwife who had gotten a little bit of sleep in the meantime but basically telling her to come back in because it seems like things are progressing really really quickly and I was talking about wanting to push so at this point my midwife comes back in and they end up turning me like I don't know 45 degrees in the tub that way I'm close to our fan and that was super helpful to have that airflow that changed a lot for me too and all of a sudden I am pushing like I cannot stop my body from pushing there I didn't feel like I had to think about it and I feel like that's why pushing for me was so much more enjoyable honestly than transition transition just felt like such a mental game And for those of you who don't know, I feel like I knew nothing about birth before 
hiring our midwife and going through this process but transition is when you're I believe at like eight or nine centimeters dilated so you're almost ready to push and it's often really really hard I did know thankfully that if I was saying and thinking and feeling like I can't do this I knew I was close to transitioning fully and like being able to push but I didn't know how long because for every woman it's different like how long that lasts and for every birth so I get to the point where I'm pushing my body is pushing for me and honestly it was just relieving like it was hard but I feel like it was so awesome that is like the highlight for me was pushing and I remember just like being shocked at how instinctive it felt because I kept like putting my hand down to catch her which is crazy I had been telling everyone like John is gonna catch the baby which he was on the outside of the tub um at the front so again I could like hold on to him and just look in his eyes and all of that but yeah I ended up catching her myself which was cool and I also remember putting my hand down and feeling her hair and at the same time my midwife says look at all that hair and that was just so motivating and just so surreal and it's funny how I can remember thinking and feeling some of these things because I also feel like mentally I just was not there like I was in a totally different headspace my doula called it called it labor land and it was so true just a way different headspace but she was born at 5:44. I don't think I pushed that long. I pushed her head out and it felt so good. It was such a relief. I want to say she was out for I don't know, a couple minutes um her head and then her body came out and that's when things got a little interesting. So, I ended up having what's called a fourth degree tear or fourth degree laceration. So there are different degrees of tears that you can potentially have when you give birth. You can also not tear at all, which is amazing. And I know a lot of women have that experience. But I had a fourth degree, which there are four degrees. Fourth is the highest, which means I tore all the way through my rectum. So you can have internal tears, you can have external tears. And honestly, I don't know the full specifics of what my tear included. I know that there were some internal, some external. Um, But we discovered that after I gave birth when I was laying in bed. So to wrap up, I pushed her out. It was the most beautiful, rewarding, insane, redeeming, healing moment of my life. And it was so peaceful because she was still connected to my to the umbilical cord. Um, she had oxygen flowing, and so I was able to just slowly bring her up out of the water. And then she actually didn't cry for the first like I don't know thirty seconds or something. But again, she's she's breathing, she's healthy, she's good. It was just so peaceful, and I feel like peaceful is just a word that has been used to describe her and prayed over her from the time that she was in my womb and she still uh seven weeks now is so peaceful and so chill and that was just such a special moment I'm just like in shock and on this high and John is crying and it's so awesome and Brandon Lake's song gratitude was playing we just had like a worship playlist that I had repeating it was like two hours long um throughout the whole labor process and so 
It was the best and I did see a lot of blood in the pool and I remember saying, you can actually hear on my birth video, I say, I think I tore pretty bad, which we didn't realize how bad, but it's still amazing to me just how sacred and special that moment was and I'm so grateful for my midwives because despite knowing that I probably tore pretty bad, they made it such a calm and peaceful and good experience, not because like they were they were definitely taking my care seriously, but they also allowed me to have that time and that was so good. So they helped me get out of the pool and walk to my bed, which wasn't that far away. I'm like holding Julia on my chest and she's still like the placenta, I still haven't delivered it. So <laughs> we're like walking there and she's still connected and I get to lay down on my bed and that was just the sweetest first couple of hours like I'm just getting cleaned up. My doula brings me Ningxia and I think I had some chocolate too and everyone's just so joyful and she's so beautiful and I'm just getting this good skin to skin time which if you listen to my birth story with Flora that was a really big thing that I I had to mourn was not getting that what they call golden hour with her because I was recovering from my C-section and so I didn't get to be with her for two and a half hours and with Juliet, I got to watch the sunrise and, you know, just felt so loved. It was such a calm, beautiful, sacred morning. And so my midwife can repair up to third degree tears and she loves suturing. She's very, very good at it. And I honestly, I knew I tore bad and I had heard of fourth degrees. I remember thinking like, wow, that's so intense. Like, I hope that never happens to me, but also it's extremely rare. And so whenever she was checking me out, I that didn't even cross my mind. I thought, okay, I gave birth, I did it, I had an H back, that's it. And she's examining me and yeah, basically just realizes like, you have a fourth degree tear, we are going to finish the newborn exam, but then you're going to have to go and get surgery. And that was really hard to hear, but I am grateful for how she just preserved that time and made, again, the best effort to be wise in my care and also allow us that special family bonding time. And it wasn't like an anxious thing. She was like, okay, we're going to go to this hospital and here's what's going to happen. And, you know, if you get it taken care of within the first six hours or whatever, like, that's good because that will prevent infection. So around two hours after birth, I left for a local hospital and my doula went with me and we were really hoping that she would be able to go back with me for the surgery because we had called ahead and they said, if you have a negative COVID test, then one other person can come with you. And she had a negative PCR test within the last like 48 hours or something and we show up and we actually had to go through the ER but the OB was supposed to meet me down there and they were not going to let my doula go with me like they said on the phone and I didn't know what to do I was just a couple hours post-birth but I knew I had to get this taken care of because they had to be very very specific and again this is a repair that my midwife could not do it's very important to ensure that 
all of that is sutured correctly and it again requires having a surgery done by an OB so I knew I had to do it even though I was not loving it and I was feeling brave and just prayerful and like this is going to be redeeming because I had such a traumatic hospital experience with flora like the Lord can use this the Lord can redeem this and after I'm done with this surgery I just get to go home like I don't even have to stay overnight or anything so I go and even though my doula can't come back with me I get all checked in but I end up sitting back there for like 15 minutes and no one has come and seen me and I'm alone and I don't really have good service and Julia is at home with John. They had some donor milk from a mom nearby so she could be fed which again was not ideal but I'm thinking like oh the surgery is going to be quick. They're ready to see me. It's only going to be a couple hours whatever. Well again I am only like a couple hours post birth and one of the biggest rules is like you are not supposed to leave a mom alone because a lot of things could happen. I was bleeding a lot, like just no one was supervising me and I was getting nervous. I was feeling uncomfortable and I called my midwife and she's like, Paige, we can find another hospital. Like you don't have to stay here. And that was so encouraging because I felt like I had options, which was something that I didn't feel like was true with my time in the hospital with flora and so i left and that was kind of scary but it also felt really good and it felt good because i knew it wasn't like i was refusing the repair altogether i was going to a different hospital so we ended up going to another hospital that was about an hour away from our house but they were we called and they were going to let john and juliet come with me and so i went home i got all of our stuff and we got in the car and we drove there and they ended up checking me into triage which is interesting they never actually admitted me as a patient they kind of treated it like an ER situation and I feel really comfortable in this hospital though it was like very recently renovated literally in the last like month and the staff is really kind and again John is there with me and Juliet so I'm feeling at peace but time goes by I will spare you all the details but I ended up staying there for it was like eight hours of just waiting and waiting and waiting and I like asked for pain medicine because my midwife had numbed me at my house and was super gentle when she had originally uh, gone to check out and see how bad I tore but I that numbing like wore off when I was there To make a long story short, they tried to numb me with lidocaine in that room to make sure that it was a fourth degree tear. They just wanted to check things out themselves and that was extraordinarily painful and traumatic. That's something I'm working through in EMDR right now because it was so painful and because it was hours after birth, I didn't have like all of these feel-good hormones anymore so I just felt everything and it was very intense. It honestly felt worse than birth. And so that happened. And then they said, okay, you know, it is fourth degree. We'll take you back into the OR. But it was another like five or six hours before they ended up coming to get me. And we had been there for hours at that point. 
you know, we didn't have food. We had been running on super little sleep. We only had one car. John was exhausted. I was able to sleep a little bit because I was in a bed, but he was just in a chair and things were getting a little bit scary, I guess. So I called my midwife and I was just crying. I was so done. I felt like I had been so patient and kind, but I was done. I was like, I'm in pain. I thought this was a big deal. Why aren't they taking me seriously? And what the nurses had explained was that there were a number of emergency C-sections and surgeries that took precedence, which of course I understand, but I did feel like this was also a serious surgery that needed to be done in a time-sensitive like time frame, and I was in so much pain. So she was very upset on my behalf ended up driving and again that van that I mentioned with a bed they can sleep in she traded out with John so John got to catch a couple hours of sleep with Juliet in there which was so helpful because again he was going to drive us home and he hadn't slept in almost like 24 hours at this point and so my midwife is there and within like 45 minutes I kid you not they take me back to surgery so I don't know if that was coincidence or if her presence just like urged them to care for me but thank goodness she was there she was so encouraging really just helped me talk through the birth a lot and yeah it was just such a support system for me in a really hard time and so I had the surgery honestly I feel like my c-section prepared me a lot for that and I had a lot less fear because I knew what the OR was like I knew what getting anesthesia was like and I just kind of knew the process of how the room is cold and you shake a lot and none of that was as scary to me as it was before and it was kind of cool in a weird way because the hospital that we went to is a teaching hospital and so I had an attending physician performing the surgery thankfully but there were two other students who were observing and because fourth degree tears are so rare it I felt like everyone was really paying attention which sounds silly but it didn't feel like the surgery was rushed it felt like they saw it as a good learning opportunity and so it took about an hour and the students were very interested my surgeon said she's only seen I was her third tear that was fourth degree in her 11 years of practicing which is wild so have the surgery go back to recover my midwife is there hangs out with me and a few hours later we are driving home at 4 a.m so it was hard it was long but still such a blessing that like I was home in my bed you know, less than 24 hours or right about 24 hours after she was born. It wasn't a long, intense hospital stay, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm also very thankful that they gave me good pain meds, really good pain meds, because I have since learned that a lot of women in the States end up getting sent home on like Motrin, you guys, Um, which I cannot imagine navigating that sort of pain without the medicine I was given. So... My fourth degree tear, it was wild and I had a couple of follow-ups with the surgeon most recently at six weeks. She said everything is healing up well. She did have to use silver nitrate to burn off some granulation tissue that was internal, which I'm not going to lie, it hurt 
really bad and it hurt really bad the whole rest of the day I felt pretty much normal the next day but that was very unexpected and kind of scary because that was the day before we moved and I was gonna have to fly so I was not expecting that but I also am all set up with a pelvic floor physical therapist here and that is starting soon so I'm really excited about that a lot of people are probably wondering why did you have a fourth degree tear if it's really really rare which is true and basically after watching my birth video talking with my midwife and my doula what we think happened is that Juliet came out with her right hand glued to her face so I pushed out her head without tearing much at all but that hand was not down it was up and we realized that because I think I pushed without a contraction, but my body had been doing the pushing again for me. I didn't feel like I could stop it, and I wasn't actively thinking like, oh no, I need to push, I need to get her out. Like, my body was just doing all the work, and my midwife said that if her hand was up by her face, or even both hands potentially, um, we couldn't see in the video, but that's what would have actually caused my body to push without having a contraction um, because of just all of the pressure there's like a fancy term for that but I don't remember what it is and now I can even see especially how much Juliet loves keeping her hands by her face I know that's kind of like a baby thing but you guys like sometimes I'm feeding her and I have to pry her right hand away from her face um, or like I will literally have my breast in her mouth and I have to like move her hand out of the way so she can eat. So that is what we believe happened. Again, it's very rare um, and I'm so grateful to have healed so well up until this point. I'm still feeling good and I would love to have another home birth in the future. I would love to have five more. I love birth. It was such a great experience and honestly some people might disagree with this but I would take many more home births with fourth degree tears and repairs because it was such a great experience. I am in the future going to again see a public floor physical therapist, do a lot of prep work to support and heal my perineum to hopefully prevent a tear of any kind with my next birth and we're also going to wait a couple years most likely to get pregnant again um, but that is the story of my fourth degree tear and honestly I don't even feel like that overshadowed the birth like that is the story of my home birth after a cesarean it was such an incredible experience I feel so close to Jesus I feel so I don't know it was like a spiritual high on a whole other level and I'm so thankful that I was able to have that. I know birth can be a really sensitive topic and I just want to say if you have had a difficult birth I would really encourage you to talk to someone about it and also just want to say First of all, actually, I'm sorry because that can be so hard, especially when you hear women talking about these like just beautiful birth stories. I was so wanting that with Flora and it was really, really hard for me whenever the topic of birth came up for a long time. And even with, with Juliet's birth, 
I think sometimes I have to just be self-aware because of my terror situation when the topic of birth comes up. But also, if you're not a mom and if birth scares you, please know like it is so good. It is so, so good no matter your birth story. And I truly believe that as women, the Lord uses birth to transform us in so many ways. I love it. And again, if you have experienced birth trauma, I highly recommend trying EMDR with a therapist because I think it's so easy to normalize crazy birth experiences, even C-sections. Like I know not every woman would describe their C-section or just in general their birth as traumatic, but it really does affect so many things, especially in postpartum and with marriage. And I just think why not pursue the healthiest versions of ourselves that we can be for our family and for our relationship with the Lord. I think it's super important. So you guys, thank you so much for listening to this. Also, thank you for your patience with this episode coming out a little bit later. As I said, we just completed a cross-country move with our two girls under two and it's been so good, but it's also been a lot. So I cannot wait. I'll be back next week with our regular formatted episodes with a fun interview. And I cannot wait to share more about exciting things we have coming up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I am so grateful you decided to join us today. And I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you like today's show, I would love to encourage you to share it with a girlfriend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? Because guys, I promise we're super fun. (laughs) We share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners and keep up with the guests that you might have heard. We also do fun quarterly giveaways and just share inspiring content. If you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes of every episode. There are weekly episode discussions, and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us, you can please write a review on iTunes because this will help boost our show so other like-minded women can find it. Your support means so much to me, you guys. Thank you again for being here. So grateful for you. We'll see you next week for another episode.